Hey, everybody. Welcome to the World Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you, inspires you, and more than anything, helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. For more information and resources, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. amazing news. You guys want to hear it? There's only 155 days before spring. For those of you who are like me and don't like winter, we start counting the days because it gives us hope, right? Before the snow flies, that was just, that was not really snow that you guys saw the other day, that white stuff that fell to the ground and was wet, appeared to be snow, but it was the devil in disguise. <laughs> How many love winter? How many like winter here? Oh, there's a few. There's a few crazies out there. Really, you guys like winter. I'm from Louisiana, so I give myself a little bit of, of grace because when we first, well, Pastor Bob is from here. We met in San Antonio, Texas, which is hot. Lived in Louisiana, which is hot. And when we got married, Bob drove up from, drove down from here and He, you know, back in the 80s, this was 88, so he drives a car from up here, drives it down south, and he gets to my house, and I'm like, is this an electric car? And he's like, what? I'm like, is this an electric car? Do you remember back in the day when you had to plug your cars in? How many are old enough to remember that? That you actually had to have an extension cord, you had to actually plug your car in, and those were not, that was, that was green back then. Um, and it didn't work very well. But anyways, remember that? You had to plug your car in? Yeah. Well, I didn't know from Louisiana. I didn't know. We don't plug our cars in in Louisiana, you know, because uh, it doesn't get that cold. So anyways, um, came up here, and I had my first winter up here. Um, we were actually, no, we were married then. Yeah, we were married and flew up here. My mother-in-law flew us up here. That was before grandkids came, because then when grandkids came, we didn't get any gifts. So it was all about the grandkids. So before grandkids, we used to be spoiled, um, anyway, so she flew, flew us up here for Christmas, and I spent my first Christmas up here. Remember, I'm from Louisiana, never saw snow. And my husband thought it would be fun, say fun, fun. to take me skiing. <laughs> okay, now, you got to understand, number one, I'm 18. I'm not um, sanctified yet. And he wants to take me skiing. Sure, I'm the, the wife, that submissive wife. I, that's why, you know, I learned straight on, you know, not to submit because it doesn't make sense. But anyways, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, so we go skiing. We go to, I think it was uh, Christy Mountain. And his cousin was here from Idaho, you know, and they all used to ski. And so they were like, all, okay. So it was below zero. Say below zero. He didn't think about possibly getting me snow pants. I, the only winter jacket that I had was what you would wear in Louisiana, which isn't very thick, you know. So I'm skiing in a pair of blue jeans, and I think I had a coat, and I don't know if I had a hat. I can't remember if I had a hat. Everything froze, just put it that way. So he puts me on the bunny hill, I can't even tell you some of the words that were going through my head because remember I was not sanctified at the time. 
and you had to hang on to this rope. And this, I'm from Louisiana. You guys are from here, so you've probably seen it. I've never seen, you put these things on your feet, number one, these boots, and you can't move your leg. You can't move, you, so you walk like this. Okay, so I'm walking like this in a pair of blue jeans, and then they want me to put these long boards on my feet. So I get these boards on my feet, and then they're like, okay, now hang on to this rope with these sticks in your hand. So I'm hanging on to this rope, and this rope takes you up this hill. And, you're, and he's like, keep your ski straight. I'm like, how do you do that as they're doing this and crisscrossing and back and forth? And I'm like, okay. So I'm hanging on. Get to the top of this bunny hill, which seemed like Mount Everest to me. Get to the top of this little hill. Apparently, it's a hill, not a mountain. Would look like a mountain to me. And I'm standing at the top of this hill with these sticks in my hand and these boards on my feet, and I cannot move my feet. And he's like, okay, go. I'm like, go where? It's like, push off. So he showed me how to put your hand through the little ropes on the sticks, you know, and so I push off. And I'm like, And he's like, snowplow. I'm like, what's a snowplow? I'm from Louisiana. I don't know what a snowplow is. And he's trying to show me anyways. Needless to say, it didn't end well, but we're still married. <laughs> that was only six months after we were married, and I chose to stay with him. So I deserve a medal. Needless to say, I hate skiing. Have never been back and never will. So there we go. That's why I don't like winter. But I have chosen to change the way that I think about winter. Because here in this place up in the, the north, you know, in the south, we have two seasons. It's hot and chilly. And chili is not something you eat. It's something that you feel. Up here in the north, we have four seasons, which I appreciate. So I have really changed the way that I think, right? I'm not crabby when it comes to winter. I just start counting spring as soon as it snows. So then the countdown begins. So today it's 155 days before spring, and we will enjoy every day. But I love, I love the north. I love Wisconsin. I love the four seasons. I love summer. Fall isn't this beautiful weather. Well, I like weather above 45 degrees in October. Somebody help me. When Charlie Champ was here, he prophesied and he said that there would be an early snow, early snow, and it would be lots of snow, and I rebuked him. I'm like, not here. No, you don't understand. But I, I, I just kid. I really, I, really, I really am kidding. I really have learned, this is the thing, guys, is that when we learn to embrace the season that we're in, Listen to me, any season that you're in, I don't care if it's a good season. I hear people talk about the valley. Oh, I'm in a valley season. Here's the thing is that every single season, the presence of God is there. In every season, there's a measure of the presence of God that is available for us to find. I can't, I can't know who God is if, if life is always a bed of roses. I can't learn every aspect of who he is if life is always grand. 
It's in the seasons, remember when David was chased by Saul? That probably wasn't a very good season for him. But David found the presence of God in every season. I love the story of David. But in every season that we're in, in every circumstance that we go through, in every trial, in every season, there's a measure of his presence that he wants to reveal to us. Aren't you thankful? Because when we're, we're having issues with finances, when you're struggling in your finances, how can he be your provider if you never need him to provide for you? That's an aspect of God. If we're going through a death, if we're going through a death, if there's something going on in our family in that aspect, how can we find the presence of God or experience that aspect of him as the comforter if we never need to be comforted? See, when we change our perspective on life, when we change our perspective on things going on in the world and things going on in our, in our life and realize that God wants to visit us in every season, then we invite every season. James says to count it all joy when you go through things because it's going to produce something in us. Amen? That's so good. So we're coming into a new season, and I'm excited by faith for this winter. I'm glad I don't have to snowplow. Bob was hollering at me, you know, snowplow, snowplow. Well, now guess what? I'm like, you love snowplowing, so there, you get to do it. So I love watching him get all his garb on, you know, he gets on that suit that he walks like this in, you know, big thing, puts his hat. I'm going to take a picture because you guys have probably never seen him like that. And he's got his, you know, big gloves and his big boots and his hat and he comes out, you know, goes out, does the driveway. We got a little bit longer driveway now. So he, you know, I'm like, you wanted a four-wheeler, put a plow on that baby and so he comes in, you know, and he's got like icicles hanging off of his little mustache and hey, you want to live here? No, I'm kidding. Amen. How many love that song, All My Life You Have Been Faithful? That should be the theme of all of our lives, right? Listen to me. It doesn't matter what you're going through. I'm telling you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Whatever season it is, summer, winter, fall, spring, whatever it is, all your life, we have to remember the goodness of God. And we have to determine that we're going to sing of his goodness. We're going to sing of his mercies. We're going to sing of his, of his presence. Amen? Because in every single place of our lives, he's with us and he's never left us. Amen? Can anybody testify to that? I believe so. All right. You guys ready? I believe it's a season of pursuit. Say pursuit. I was meditating on, you know, there's so many scriptures how it says that God is with us. He's not only with us, but he's in us and he's on us. You know, you get all that. And, I, and then there's these scriptures that say, seek. It's like he's with us, yet we have to seek him. So I was like, hmm, Lord, what is, what is that that you're saying? And then I felt like you said this is a season of pursuit, of pursuing him. And I'd like to propose that in this pursuit, there's a measure of his presence that can only be discovered in this pursuit, pursuing him and pursuing his presence. You, I hope you guys are just chewing on it, not sleeping. There is a measure of his presence that I believe can only be discovered 
in the pursuit of him. Remember in Luke, I think it's in chapter 10, where Mary and Martha have this encounter. Jesus shows up at their house. He shows up at their house, and I just, I just assume that he wasn't expected because Martha started making food right away. And knowing women, I, if we know we're having company, we usually are prepared, right? We got the food already ready. Most of us probably do. But I believe that Jesus showed up unexpected, and I might be wrong on that, but it's my story, so I could tell how I want to. And then Martha does this thing where she gets busy and distracted, say distracted. She gets distracted, and Mary plops herself down at the feet of Jesus, and she just sits there in his presence. And, and, and Jesus himself said this as Martha was complaining, which none of us women complain ever about anything, but if we, if we were like Martha, we would be complaining about Mary sitting at the feet and not helping her. Martha's like, Jesus, don't you care that I'm slaving over here? I'm sweating over here making you something to eat. Jesus says, I didn't ask you to make me anything to eat. This is my, this is my translation of that story. So Martha says, tell her to come and help me. And Jesus says these words that really have impacted me. Jesus says to Martha, he says, Martha, Mary has discovered the one thing that is important and it will not be taken away from her. See, I believe that there's this discovery in pursuing the presence of God that only comes in this pursuit. There's this measure of his presence that comes when we pursue, when we discover this thing that Jesus says, the thing that is needed and it most important. I think Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said in Matthew 6, he said to seek first the kingdom of God and, and, the right, and righteousness and all of these things will be added. He doesn't say to seek the things, he says to seek the kingdom, which in the kingdom there's a king. And in the, the, there, there's a king, that there means that there's presence. You guys tracking with me? So Jesus is basically saying this, if you seek my presence first, then you won't have to worry about the rest of it. See, there is something about pursuing the presence of God that will change your life forever. He's with us, yes. He's in us, yes. But there's something about pursuit there's something about seeking him, seeking, seeking aspects of him that can we can only discover in the seeking. Yes. In his presence is everything that we need. Why do you think that is? Because the creator of the universe created you. And it's so interesting to me because God created every single human being, right? He created every single human being, and in every single human being, he created this hole. I call it a God hole. And in every single human is a God hole that can only be filled with him. He fashioned and created you so that you would need and desire and can only place and fill this hole with him. And I believe there's people here and people probably watching online that this hole that we thought could be filled with the world, that could be filled with things of this world, that could be filled with friends, 
filled with job, fill it with a spouse. Listen, if you're single and if you're thinking that a spouse, a husband or wife is going to meet your needs and make life better, it's not. Because listen, there's nothing in this world that can fill you except for him. That thing that you've been missing, that thing that you feel like, if only I had a promotion at work, or if only I had more likes on Facebook, or if only, if only I made more money, or if only I could be popular, if only I could preach behind the pulpit, or if only I could, if only I could listen, that thing that you're desiring is only meant to be filled by the one. And his name is Jesus. There is no other... There's no other that can satisfy you but him. Nothing. Nada. Nada, nada. That's my Spanish for today. Nada. There's nothing. Listen, you can, you can try it all. How many here, I believe that there's a lot, I'm not going to ask. How many here, you don't have to raise your hand, have tried it all? Have tried the world? have tried drugs, you've tried alcohol, you've tried sex, you've tried it all, and you're still empty. That's because you were made for him. You were made to pursue him. Your job and my job when we become born again is not a five-fold ministry gift. Sometimes those things distract us from the one thing. There is only one thing. And even in anything that he's called you to do, if he's not the center of it, it's going to fail. If he's not the motive and the reason that we do things, then everything that we do is going to be for us and not for him. Then we're doing it in our own strength, and then we get tired, and then we get frustrated, and then we get irritated, and then we want to quit. Right? I've been there. Jesus is the only thing, and the only thing that should motivate us is for him. Amen? Jeremiah 29, 12 through 13. One of my favorite scriptures is when you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I will listen. Listen to me. If you're struggling in your prayer life, and if you're thinking, God doesn't hear me, everything that I'm saying is just, what do you call that? A ceiling that you can't, steel ceiling? Brass ceiling, thank brass? Glass, glass, brass, steel, whatever. God can't hear you. He's not listening. This scripture tells me otherwise because God is saying, when you call on me, when you come to me and when you pray, I will listen. This is, maybe this is the problem is that we're not listening. Sometimes we need to say what we got to say and then sometimes we just got to sit and listen to what he wants to say. Prayers, communication, say Communication. When you look, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious, uh, listen, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. When you want him more than anything else, he promises, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. See, this thing of seeking him, he promises this, that when we seek him with everything in us, he will not disappoint us. That's so good. Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, he's a rewarder of those 
who diligently or earnestly seek him. How many like rewards? God rewards you when you earnestly seek him. That means that when we seek him, there's something that he'll give us. But the motive, listen, the motive for seeking him shouldn't be for the reward. It should be for the rewarder. And then he'll give us the reward and it makes it so much sweeter. It's kind of like the frosting on the cake, except for I would like the frosting over the cake. I don't like cake. I'd rather have, I don't even know anymore. I've been working out with Brittany and I haven't eaten sweets. So it's like, I don't know if I want anything sweet. I know, crazy, right? I did have a little big pumpkin bar with homemade cream cheese frosting on it, Britt, and a little bit of ice cream might have, that went, anyways, okay, all right. <laughs> I don't need to share all my stuff with you guys. Earnestly seek, this is what it means. Earnestly seek, Hebrews eleven six. write that down, you can read it later. It says, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Earnestly seek means this, is the outcome intensely and personally desired by the seeker. This seeking is only as valuable as the motive which drives it. The motive that drives us for him should be him. When we seek, say Jesus, this, this, this man named Jesus paid everything for you and for me. That we could be here, that we, could, that we can live, that we can exist in this world and, and be to the world hope. Say hope. How many know the world needs hope? Well, hope lives in you. And hope says, I want out. It's like, let me out of here. We, we went, we were on, going on vacation. This was like 29 years ago. And Bobby was a year and a half. So it was 28 years ago. Bobby was a year, a little bit over a year. And that's when you had car seats, you know, that actually you didn't need a, you didn't need a degree to put them in a car seat. Now I can't, I, if I'm like, you gotta, I don't even know how to use this thing. We just had a, a thing that you put them in and you just, yeah, now you've got to like rocket science. You got to have, yeah, you got to have a bachelor's degree on how to put your kid in a car seat. Anyways, we're driving to Louisiana and Bob, we, we used to leave early in the morning so that, you know, he would sleep, and then we had this strategy. We'd stop at, like, leave at 4, stop at 8. He'd be waking up, get gas, and we'd go to McDonald's where he can play and run off some energy, then back in the car seat, you know. And <laughs> so we were driving. I don't know how many hours we were in there, and he was so good. And then all of a sudden, he goes, this quiet. All of a sudden, he goes, let me out of here. Anyways, that was the funniest thing, so I let him out and let him, I know, I was probably whatever, but he's, he's here. So anyways, there, listen, there's hope inside of you, but hope doesn't want to stay inside of you. Jesus, the hope of the nation, wants to come out, and he wants us to be hope. How many of you here were hopeless and were introduced to this man called Jesus who gave you hope? There's somebody like you out there that needs to know that they can make it another day because of Jesus. Amen? That's a side note. The motive of our heart, why we do the things that we do. God's been really dealing with me on this thing of motive. There's a scripture in, in the, I think it's in Luke, it might be in all the gospels, probably is, most of it is. Anyways, that where Jesus is talking to the religious leaders and he says, with your mouth, 
you honor me and your heart is far from me. I believe what he was saying, and I might be wrong, but I believe what he was saying is this, is that with your mouth you can say all the right things, you can say all the things that I want to hear, but your heart, the motive for why you're saying it is completely wrong. The motive behind, the listen, you can say all the right things, but the motivation of your heart is what God looks at. Why do you do the things that you do? That's just, that's free. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul actually says this. He says, your motive, you can prophesy in my name, in Jesus' name. <clears throat> you can do all the things. You can be the best whatever. But if the motive is not love, it says it's absolutely worthless. So motive is the key. Motive, the motive of your heart, listen, maybe some of you in here are frustrated. Some of you watching online are frustrated because you feel like you're doing all the right things. You've got all the boxes checked. Maybe it's time to just sit alone with God and say, God, what is the motive of my heart? Why am I, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? It's the motivation of the heart, amen? Here's some couple scriptures for you. You guys are good? So good. It's cold outside. No reason to go home early, right? Are the Packers playing today? Oh, yeah. We don't have to go. It's interesting how exciting people get over a football game and are like watching the time to see is, you know, like we have to hurry up and we got to get going. Let's go to the game, you know. It's like we're going to lock the doors and nobody can escape. <laughs> Nobody's going anywhere. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We don't have Kool-Aid and we do not lock the doors. We don't. No matter what people say, we don't. Okay. Psalms 84, 10 in the, in the Passion Translation. It says, for just one day of intimacy with you is like a thousand days of joy rolled into one. I'd rather stand at the threshold in front of the gate beautiful ready to go in and worship my God than to live my life without you in the most beautiful palace of the wicked. Isn't that beautiful? I would rather spend time in the presence of God, seeking him, searching for him, than being with somebody that's famous. Psalm 27, verse 4 and 8. I love this verse. It says, The one thing... I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek. Lord, let our motives be to seek you just because of you, not for any other reason, but for you because of what you've done, because of all he is. Amen? One thing I've desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Do you know that when we behold him, we become like him? That we become like the one we behold. Verse eight says, when you seek my face, my heart says to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. There's this story in the Bible in Luke chapter seven and I love this account. 
It's the account of the woman with the alabaster box. She doesn't, they don't name her, so I'm going to give her a name. Her name, we'll call her Judith. Judith. Judith was this lady that was known in her town by not doing very nice things. She had a reputation, let's just say that. And this woman, I'm not going to, I'm, here, I'm just going to read a couple verses for you and then go home and, and read the rest of it. It's, it's found in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went into his home and sat down to eat. So imagine Jesus is in this house, invited to have supper with these, with these guys, the Pharisees. And all of a sudden, this lady, it says, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard, say heard, heard that Jesus was eating there. She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Can you imagine this woman busting into this home of these men? I don't think she had a care in the world what they were thinking. Do you think she was in pursuit of him? She, she like heard about, imagine this woman who's hurting I guarantee you she was doing what she was doing, not because she wanted to, maybe because it was the only thing that could, that could provide for her. I, I don't understand all of that. But this woman was hurting, and she heard about Jesus. She heard where he was eating, which tells me that she must have been stalking him because she heard he was eating at a certain place, and she decided at that moment, I'm going. And then it says that she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her, her tears fell on his feet. She must have been crying pretty hard. It says that she was, her tears were washing his feet. See, in his presence, we do things that are undignified sometimes. You ever been in his presence and you just want to like lay on the floor, get on your face, kneel your bawling, sobbing, hands raised? That's why we do things. It's not because we you know, it's because of him. We become so overwhelmed. It says, then she kept kissing his feet, putting perfume on him. This woman gave everything that she had. She was in pursuit of this person called Jesus because she heard about all of the things. And I believe she thought, if I could just get to him, if I could just, if I could just touch him, if I could just be in his presence, I, I believe that I can be well. Maybe physically she was fine, but emotionally, friends, she was not. And Jesus touched her. The ones that were there scoffed at her, and it says this, it says that, and Simon thought, doesn't Jesus know who this lady is? Remember, he thought it, didn't even say it, and Jesus looks at him and says, you have no idea what is going on here? There's something about pursuing his presence. This woman pursued Jesus and she got what she was pursuing him for. She was made whole. He met her. He didn't, he didn't push her away. He met her. Judith was inconvenienced, but her pursuit was definitely risky. Listen. She was in search of true love and she found what love really was. At the feet of Jesus, when she broke that alabaster box, which they say was like a, worth a year's worth of income, 
I believe maybe that's all she had. And she put it at his feet. She laid it at his feet because she wanted to give him something. Something. And he gave her way more back. Wouldn't you agree? I don't know what you're seeking, but I'm telling you only one, one person, one thing will fill that. And that's him. I don't care if it's insecurity. Listen, insecure, when I, who deals, I've dealt with insecurity, dealt with it just this week. So funny how Mike was standing up here last night talking about his week. I don't know if it goes for everybody who stands up here or has to say anything or ever has, has to do anything, <laughs> that your week goes kind of haywire. That happens sometimes. Sometimes we deal with insecurities. But the only one that can help your insecurity is not getting more friends or putting more videos on Facebook or trying to get more friends or trying to be in the in crowd. The only one is going to be Jesus. Only him. Amen? I love Judith. The Bible says that he looked at Judith and he forgave her. Isn't that cool? He said, those that need much or require much, loves much. How much do we love? Remember the motivation was love. Her motivation for seeking Jesus was love. Amen. How about Myra? You guys know who Myra is? In Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed him, crowding around him. I'm talking about pursuing Jesus. See, we live in a society where we do not want to be inconvenienced. Okay, if it's cold outside, we're going to watch, TV, we're going to watch church online because we don't want to get cold. We don't want to be inconvenienced. We want to go through the drive through so we can just drive through and pay. I'm not saying these things are bad. Listen to me. I'm not saying these things are bad. I'm just saying how, remember, anybody in here have older friends, like an older grandma or whatever, and they tell you the story how they walk to school in 10 feet of snow with no shoes? Okay, right. See? There were that. Today, kids almost have a car at the age of seven. You know? We don't want to be inconvenienced. We'll do things as long as it fits in our schedule, as long as it goes according to what I want to do and according to, okay, well, you know, I don't know because, you know, I think I'm just not going to because, right? We don't want to be inconvenienced. I think this lady that I'm reading about, Myra, she didn't care about convenience. We Listen, we need to get to the point where we don't care about convenience. God is not going to ask you to do things that are comfortable. He's not going to say, you know what, I don't want to interrupt your comfort. I know that you've been tired, and I know that you've had a hard week, so you know, it's okay. Why don't you just sleep in today? Just take the next year off, you know. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to worship. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to go to cell. Just take the year off. It's been so hard for you. No. He says to pick up your cross daily and follow me. 
Listen, in our inconvenience, when we do things that are inconveniencing for us, he notices, he sees it, and he honors that. He honors your yes when you don't feel like it. That's called a sacrifice. When we're in here worshiping and we don't feel like worshiping, and we're like, you know what, I really don't want to be here today. I really just want to stay home in my pajamas and I don't want to come out. Do you know that I feel that way sometimes? I'm like, oh, I can't miss a weekend hardly. I'm like, dang it, I just want to stay home today. It's really nice sitting here in front of the fireplace. Very rarely, actually, honestly. I love coming to church. This is my favorite place to be because I get to worship with all of you guys. But in those seasons, whenever we're worshiping and we don't feel like it, it's called a sacrifice of praise. It's called a sacrifice of worship. It's called a sacrifice. Amen? So he'll ask us to do things sometimes that are, that's not convenient. I'm just picking. You guys know that, right? On some things. Verse 25 in Mark chapter 5, it says, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with the constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal with many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything that she had to pay for them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she got worse. She had heard, say heard. How many heard about Jesus? May we never become too familiar with the God that we barely know. May we never become too familiar with this story of Jesus that we just go, oh, we're just talking about Jesus again. May we never become too familiar. Amen. She heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, are you kidding me? There's a hundred people around you pushing against you and you want to know who touched you. That's my, you know, translation of that. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. What if she would have said, you know what? There's too many people around Jesus. There's too many people around Jesus. And actually in those days when a woman was bleeding, she could not be in public. She had to actually isolate and she couldn't touch anybody or anything or that person or thing became unclean. You guys listening to me? She was in isolation because of her bleeding issue. And if she would have gone out in public, it could have, they could have stoned her. Okay? But what if she would have just said, you know, if I go out there, I might get in trouble. Or if I press through, look all the people around them. If I try to press through, I'm going to touch all those people. And I don't want to do that. So I'm just going to stay here. I don't want to be, you know, too, too much work. It's too much work to get out of my house and press through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment. 
But it says that she heard, and it said that she went after it. She was in pursuit of this one who she believed would touch her and believed would make her well. And it was worth whatever price, whatever cost, it was worth it to her. Are you willing to pay a price? We want things, but we don't want to pay for things sometimes. I don't know, it goes on a lot out there. They want things, they just walk out with it without paying for it. I, that's just a side note. If you're doing that, stop it. Pay for the stuff. God will bless you for it. Amen? She was out of options, and I would say that she may have been a little bit desperate, wouldn't you think? But she took a risk, and she left her home where she was isolated, and she pressed through a crowd touching people, and if the people would have noticed her, they would have shouted, unclean. And it would have caused a whole bunch of problems for her. But she didn't care. What Myra got in return of her pursuit was that she was made whole. She was made whole. Actually, that word there in the Greek where it says that you are healed, that word healed is sozo. See, Sozo's in the Bible. We have a ministry here. That's a, it's a freedoms ministry, and we call it Sozo sometimes, and we get kind of slack for that, but it's in the Bible. It's called healed spirit, soul, and body. How many know you need your soul healed? Your soul consists of your emotions. A lot of people here and watching online, you've had a lot of trauma in your life, which traumatizes your soul which gets you to thinking, not thinking correctly. Listen, there's freedom for every aspect of your body, every aspect of who you are, your mind. There's some of you here from trauma, your mind is sick and needs help. Amen? Jesus touched, she touched this, this Jesus. Then my brain got ahead of me. She made a decision to become uncomfortable and touch the hem of his garment, and she was made whole. Her mind was made whole. Can you imagine what she went through for 12 years in isolation, never being touched in 12 years, never being invited over to a home for a birthday party or to an anniversary party or to Thanksgiving or Easter or Christmas? She was stuck in her house. But immediately she was made whole. Thank you, Jesus. That is the power. And when we pursue this one called Jesus, made completely whole. And not only that, but he looked at her and he called her something. He said, daughter. And I think it's interesting that he wanted to, he wanted to know who touched him. I, this is my opinion only. I believe that he wanted the crowd to see this woman because the crowd knew this woman. They knew her as the woman that had an issue and was in isolation. And I believe he wanted the crowd to see, hey, I want you guys to see something. I want you to see that no longer is she the woman with the issue of blood, 
but she is daughter who is made whole and made clean and made pure. He, listen, he wants you to be seen. If nobody else sees you, listen, there's a God in heaven who sees you. And the Bible says that he knows you by name. The Bible also says that he knows the number of hairs on your head. First, yeah, Terry's got two, so that's easy for God to keep track of. Whoops, make that one. What it's saying is that he knows you. He sees you. See, the creator of the universe, the creator of the universe, you ever see the snow that falls, the trees, the sun, or the moon? You ever see a sunrise or a sunset or the moon when there's like the moon and the sun out at the same time? It's like the coolest thing in the world. This, this, this God created this nature that he created the world. He created you. And he's so smart that he created you with this hole that only he could fill. And he's like, when you pursue me, I will not disappoint you. Why? Because he wants relationship with you. He wants you to pursue him, not because he's running from you, but because he wants to give you something. And he wants to show you a part of himself that only comes when we pursue him. There's this thing of intimacy that he, he longs for in you and in me. And this is the season of pursuit, of pursuing him. And I guarantee you, friend, when you pursue him, you will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. Amen? I'll have Amy come to the piano. And you guys, we're going to take communion. I'm going to have you guys pass out communion. And while they're doing that, I'm just going to read some verses to you. Can I do that? You guys jot these down because they're good. Proverbs 8, 17 says this. I love all who love me and those who search will surely find me. Psalm 34, 10 says this. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. Listen, but those who seek the Lord shall never lack any good thing. Listen, if you're in lack of something, search for him. Just shake your head so you guys, very good, good job. Luke 11, 9 through 10 says this, so I tell you, keep on asking. Listen to me. We don't just ask once and seek once and it's all over. It's not a one and done thing with God. Why is that? Because it's called relationship. See, in the kingdom, the more that we eat, the hungrier we become. When it says that when you're hungry, he'll fill you. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't hunger anymore. It means that we should become more hungry because the more that we eat of him, the more that we find him, the more that we want him. Yeah? It's like when you eat that good pizza and you're like, gosh, you got to have more of that pizza. No, I'm not comparing him to pizza. Keep on, listen, Luke 11, 9 through 10. Ask and keep on asking and you'll receive. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. Don't give up. Don't just pray and say, he didn't hear me. No, keep, listen, keep on seeking and you'll find. 
Amos 5, 4 through 6 says, For thus says the Lord, Seek me that you may live. There's life in his presence. If you're feeling weak and weary, it comes, it's only found in him. And maybe rest. Psalm 22, 26. The poor will eat and be satisfied, but those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. Psalm 69, 32 says this, the humble shall see this and be glad and your heart shall, shall live that seek God. First Chronicles 16, 11 says, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Continually. Won't you guys stand up? It's an intimate personal relationship with Jesus will bring permanent positive change in your life. I'm going to say that again. An intimate and personal relationship. Intimate and personal. In other words, he just wants you. He doesn't want you. He doesn't want your wife's relationship. He doesn't want your husband's relationship. He wants you. Look at your neighbor said he wants me. He wants you. He wants you. He wants all of you. He doesn't just want a part of you. Listen, when you give him all of you, it goes a whole lot better for you. It is. It's so much easier. An intimate personal relationship with him will bring permanent, positive change to your life. The only thing that will change and transform your life is seeking the one who can bring that transformation. What does seeking him look like? Just a couple of things. Spend time in his word. You can't, you can't, there's no shortcuts. There's an app. There's a Bible app. It's called YouVersion. There's another app called The Dwell. The Dwell dwelling or something like that put the bible on and let it talk to you if you're struggling listen his word is alive we need the word we need to spend time in the word of god we need to spend time in prayer prayer is not a religious thing prayer is like talking to your friend it's not it's just talking say talking it's talking to god and then listen and let him talk back to you. When I hear people say, well, I don't hear from God, that's not true. You do hear from God. Sometimes we just have to listen. Spend time listening to him, journal, write things down, spend time in worship. Listen, worship will shift everything in your life. There's a young lady that was struggling with some mental issues, and she said this, the only thing that got me through. She said, I couldn't read anything. All I could do was put worship music on and listen to worship music over and over and over and over and over again. And it shifts things in your life. It'll shift everything in your life. If you don't think I'm telling the truth, try it. It'll work. Promise. And spend time with people who will build you up. People who will influence you in a positive way. You need good friends. We've got lots of cell groups around here. We've got lots of groups. 
get involved in one and let women and men, let them minister to you. Let them come around you and lift your hands up. Amen? I promise you this. If you will join this season of pursuing Jesus, your life will never be the same because you can never have enough of pursuing him. Never enough. It's a constant thing until the day we step into glory. Amen? So we take this communion. The Bible says that we take this communion because it represents the price that Jesus paid for us. See, there's a price that he paid for us. And the price that he wants you to pay is yourself. He wants all of you. So we do this remembering the work that he did. It says the body was broken for us. I was in, in California a couple weeks ago and Michael Koulianos was doing communion and he said, he said this, he said, let's break the bread. So just break it like this. It represents his broken body. So we just break the bread. It represents his body that was broken and bruised. The Bible says that he was beyond recognition, which means he didn't even look like a man. They beat him so terribly. They beat him to such a degree that he couldn't hardly walk. They had to sometimes carry him. And not only that, but he was naked. The most humiliating thing that can be for a man is to be naked in public. But they stripped him. They stripped him of his clothes. They stripped him of his dignity. It says that they brought him before Herod and the kings and they army, the army there, the guys, the Roman soldiers, they spit on him. They said that it was up to 600 soldiers spit in his face. Have any of you ever been spit on in your face? 600 times? Imagine the spit running down his beard. The Bible says that Jesus did nothing. He stood, he stood there and he took it. And I believe he did it because he had you in mind. As he was standing there, bruised and bleeding, his skin barely hanging on his bones. That's why they called his body broken. As he's standing there, not saying a word, taking all the spitting, and the, not only that, they punched him in his face. Every single soldier would come up to him and punch him in the face. Either punch or slap. Spit on, punched and slapped. He never said a word. Yet he stood there, I believe, because he was thinking about you. And he was thinking about me, saying, you know what? They're worth it. They're worth it. They're worth the cost. And then they hung him on a cross. Listen, without the cross, there is no resurrection. He hung on that cross. He hung on the cross for you and for me. And he's like, I just want you to pursue me. He dies on a cross 
And this is why we do this. So we can remember the price that he paid. And the Bible says that his blood was shed for us. And our Father in heaven looks down on us through the, the shed blood of his Son, which purifies us and cleans us from all unrighteousness. When we say yes to Jesus, we become brand new. And he never looks at another sin. You know why? Because of the blood of Jesus covers that. Aren't you thankful? He knew we were imperfect, and he's like, hey, I got it for you. I got it. I've got you. So, Jesus, we take your broken body. We take this wafer as a remembrance of you and your brokenness for us. Let's take the wafer. And your blood that was shed for us. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for there's power in the blood. Amen? What can wash away your sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is power in the blood. The last and final sacrifice was, his, was him, his blood. God, let our motive be for you and only you because of the price that you paid for us. So we take this blood and this grape juice. It's not blood, this grape juice. The grape juice, this is grape juice. We take this in remembrance of you in Jesus' name. Put your hands out like this. I'm going to pray over you. After we're done, if you want more prayer, if you need prayer, there's going to be a ministry team up here to pray with you. Otherwise, God bless you. Lord, we just thank you for these people that are here this morning, that are watching online. Father, I thank you for a heart that is going to follow hard after you. God, I thank you for the hearts that have been touched here this morning, the hearts that have been touched watching online, God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us to make us want to pursue you more, that make us want to follow hard after you, to seek your face, to seek your presence, to seek aspects of you, God, that we've never experienced before. Father, as you reveal your Son to us, Lord, we just thank you that every single one here, God, is going to experience a, a experience you in a way they've never experienced you before. So Father, I thank you for each one here. God, I thank you, Lord, that as they leave here this morning, as they're watching online, God, that they're going to have an encounter with the presence, the living fire of God that's going to transform them and bring them into a whole new area in, in you, God, in your presence. God, I thank you that you are revealing a part of you that we've never seen before. We thank you for your body and your blood. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for the spirit of Christ that lives inside of us to be able to do anything that you've asked us to do. So God, I bless the people. Go with them, be with them, and encounter them. In Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. Amen. Have a good Sunday. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any new messages. To learn more or to get connected with us, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.